The Youth Workshop Podcast, episode 16. Is your youth leader amazing? Have you noticed how she goes the extra mile for your church? If the answer is yes, why not nominate them for a Christian Youth Work Award? Actors have the Oscars, singers have the Grammys, youth leaders have the Christian Youth Work Awards. My book, On Your Marks, was nominee and runner-up for an award last year. We didn't win, but my mum thinks I'm a winner anyway, so that's okay. Nominations haven't opened yet for this year, but why not get prepared by heading to www.youthworkawards.co.uk. That's www.youthworkawards.co.uk for more information. Back in 2010, when I was a youth leader, I searched the internet for great ideas and fantastic resources. Some were awesome and some were rubbish. Enter the Youth Work Summit, a place where youth leaders come to be inspired and share the big ideas and great work that is happening in Christian youth ministry. Grab your tickets at www.youthworksummit.com. That's www.youthworksummit.com. I'll be there. See you soon. You know, what really stuck in my mind is, do I want to go the rest of my life always wondering what could have happened if I said yes to God. You bring the passion. We bring the knowledge. Learn from the most creative, innovative and experienced youth experts across the globe. Are you ready to take your youth ministry to the next level? If the answer is yes, you are in the right place. The Youth Workshop, the podcast. Here's your host, Luke White. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Youth Workshop podcast. I'm so happy that you've joined us today because we have a very, very special guest. His name is Alan Khan. He is the youth pastor for Calvary Church Oldbridge, which is a non-denominational evangelical church in New Jersey. Why don't you kick us off by um, just telling us a little bit more about yourself and, and what you're up to there at Calvary Chapel? Well, I am the youth pastor for the high school ministry at Calvary Chapel Oldbridge. Um, I'm actually the first ordained homegrown pastor here, meaning I uh, grew up in the church ever since I was two years old. We used to meet in a middle school uh, back in 1990, and the Lord did a work here, and we expanded to get our own building. So I kind of went through the children's ministry, the youth ministries, and started serving at the church, and the Lord opened the door for me to actually work there. So that's what I do now. I work there full-time, and in addition, I do some music on the side. I do some rock climbing on the side. Uh, so I have a couple of hobbies, but um, that's, that's where my main focus is. We want to really get to know you a bit more and the journey that you've been on in youth ministry. So Maybe tell us what was the specific moment or event when you decided that you wanted to make a difference in the lives of young people. Well, it's funny because I don't think I have a typical story. Um, Some people, ever since they're little, kind of just want to get involved in the pastoral ministry or or whatever. But for me, I never really saw myself as being a youth pastor, never saw myself in full-time ministry. In fact, um, back in the day, a youth pastor that was working here at the church asked me if I could ever see myself in full-time ministry. And I laughed at him because I thought he was joking. Um, but what's interesting is that when I was 17, I was leaving high school ministry here and I started thinking about going to university and I was praying about that, but I wanted to serve at the church. So I got involved in junior high ministry just because someone recommended that to me. So I had a friend who said, Hey, you should get involved helping youth. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll pray about it. And I joined with one of my friends 
And so I just started serving consistently, meeting there every week. And over the years, I found more and more that I, I enjoyed just being with the kids. And so I was, uh, I was working at a petrol station just pumping gas. And that was kind of my career, if anything, it's, you know, and being paid minimum wage and serving at the church. But I found myself in a place where I was just content serving at the church. And I didn't really care if it didn't amount to anything else because I started pursuing different passions. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a musician. And I was pursuing those things. But little by little, the Lord started closing those doors. And I thought, you know, I was going to be a musician. There was a point in which I was willing to give up everything else to go out with my band and start touring and doing all these things. But the Lord really caused me to check my heart to see what my motivation was behind those things. And I think if I was honest, it was because I wanted to be famous or I wanted to be, you know, notable. But I found that as I was just pouring into other people, uh, that's where I, I found my most satisfaction. And also I realized that music was just a front. You know, I wanted to use music to influence people. But I realized I could just influence people just by being around them and showing them the love of Jesus. So once I realized that and I didn't have to use music as a front or a cover, I could just simply work with younger people and spend time with them, hanging out with them and sharing the word of God with them and seeing how that changes lives. I was hooked. So that's when I decided, you know, I don't I don't really care if I do anything else. If all I do is work at a petrol station and I get to serve at the church for the rest of my life, I would that that was it for me. Alan, that is really, really powerful. And a lot of our listeners are probably in that position right now where they're having to make a decision between these different opportunities. How did you feel when you kind of let those things go for the, for the final time when you said, you know what, this is it. Ministry is for me and, and that's it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because for the longest time, I think, when we have an idol or something that starts taking the place of God because we love it so much, so for me it was music, it's really hard to let that thing go unless you find something better. And for me, it was like, yeah, I knew I'd have to give up music for a season, but I didn't want to go the rest of my life wondering what could have happened if I went down this road that God was calling me and the road of youth ministry. So I actually got asked by the youth pastor at the church at the time, to take the junior high position first before I took over high school. And I, you know, when he asked me, he asked me to get dinner with him and he never asked me to get dinner with him. And so I was driving from an internship I had about 45 minutes away from the church. And the whole way I was thinking that I was in sin or something. So I was praying, oh Lord, forgive me, forgive me. And I was just worried, but then he offered the job to me and it was a complete surprise. And I prayed about it. And I did have some fears because I was like, who am I? You know, I don't have any giftings. I don't feel like I'm a good Bible teacher. But what's really, you know, what really stuck in my mind is, do I want to go the rest of my life always wondering what could have happened if I said yes to God? And so I, I made that decision and I, I didn't look back. As we transition to our next question, maybe these, these two questions actually go together. Is there a piece of scripture or a passage maybe that while you're making these difficult decisions, maybe help you to, to choose and help to direct your path? My life verse at this point, I think is Acts twenty twenty four, where Paul is talking about how he knows that he's going to Jerusalem and he knows that he's going to be going into chains and be thrown in prison and tortured and all these things. 
But he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And so for Paul, it was it was nothing else really moved him because he realized that he wanted to do what God was calling him and not just do it and just grumble and, oh, I guess God is calling me. But really, he, he knows he can do it with joy if he has faith to believe that God is working it all together for good. Love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. OK, now we're going to look at your actual the practical side of, of what you've been doing as a youth pastor. And tell us a little bit about the biggest challenge you've faced with your work with young people. I think the biggest challenge, that's a great question. Biggest challenge for me is when people start to walk away, which is inevitable, you're always going to have those that you pour into start to walk away, not blaming myself for their departure. I think there's something inherent in, in us and, you know, it's the heart of God to have compassion on lost sheep, to chase after the one and leave the 99. But oftentimes we feel like it's my responsibility if someone goes astray to go and, and chase after them. And, and, and then at the same time, so the challenge lies in being okay with there are some people that just don't want to receive Jesus and letting them go. To be that father who lets the prodigal son leave and not chasing after that prodigal son. And how how easy has that been but for you to differentiate between the young people who, because this has been mentioned on a previous um, episode, how do you know the difference between the, the young person who needs to be chased and the young person who needs to be let go? Yeah, that's a great question. That's actually a question I ask myself all the time. I think, ultimately, we have to remind ourselves that uh, accountability is two ways, you know, and you can't pour into someone that doesn't want to receive it. So if you think about it, Jesus preached to the multitudes, but he only discipled 12. And it actually says that he didn't commit, he didn't commit himself to the crowds because he knew what was in man. He knew that they weren't ready to receive Jesus as savior. They were just going for the free food because he was going to offer them bread or whatever. And because of that, he preached to them, still gave them the word of God, but he didn't pour into them and invest in them. So it's really finding people that want to be discipled and people that want to be poured into and not chasing after those people that aren't calling you back. You know, oftentimes I'll schedule things, schedule meetings with people. But if they're not following up with me and they're not asking me to talk, then at some point I have to cut it off and say, are there other people that I could be, be pouring into right now and I'm sacrificing the time with them because I'm chasing after people that aren't ready to receive it? You know, you're giving us so many good pieces of advice right now, but if you could just give us one piece of advice, if you could just give us the biggest piece of advice that you think our youth leaders need to hear, because a lot of our listeners are, are fresh, are brand new to youth ministry. So what piece of advice do you have for them? I would say to rely on each other. Find other people that you can rely on. Whether you have a large youth staff, you're a staff of one, find people that you can really pray with, really invest with. Because when we, I think we're going back to the, the last question too, the reason why we chase after people is because we feel like it's all our responsibility. And when you divide that responsibility amongst other people, other volunteers, 
that really takes the weight off you and the pressure off you and allows you to pray as a whole for the whole people of God that God has given you as a flock. For a long time, I was a, a team of, of, well, there was a few of us, but I felt possibly that I, was, I had more time to give than other people in the team. Um, and it can be so hard, I guess, that fear of delegation, that fear of things not going exactly the way you have planned. Um, and actually, that is probably that that inability to delegate has probably led to some of my biggest mistakes. But what about you? What's the biggest mistake you have made in working with young people? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all the same thing. I think it's chasing after those people that aren't willing to receive it and blaming yourself. And and so I think there is a part of me that wants to be the savior and I have to out. There's a part of us that when a youth is pouring into it or a youth is confiding in us and says things like, you're the only one I trust. You're the only one who listens. There's a part of us that likes that and wants to be that person and, and says, yeah, I am the only one that they can trust. And, and I'm willing to sacrifice my time and, I'm, and my energy. And that has been the biggest mistake, I think, is, is believing that and letting that happen. Because what you're doing is you're replacing Jesus. It's like John the Baptist said, I am not the Christ. And we have to constantly do that to remind ourselves that we're not Jesus. We don't do the saving. Jesus does. And to deflect people back to him. So now it's about when the kid's saying things like, oh, no one cares. You're the only one that listens. I'm saying, listen, you may think that, but that's not true. You have parents that love you. You have friends that love you. And Jesus loves you. And constantly, once again, not taking all the responsibility on myself because what you're doing is you're going to crush yourself with the weight of other people's sins or people's salvation and everything else that goes on in the, in the life. So much wisdom that you're sharing with us. Tell us a little bit about maybe who was the youth pastor when you were growing up? I know, again, we're slightly going off script, but I just feel that... Um, you, you speak from beyond your years. And so I'm just, I'm interested to know a little bit about the youth pastor who was at um, um, Old Bridge while you were growing up and maybe some of the things, some of the ideas that they left with you that you think has stuck with you up to this point. Yeah, well, my youth pastor was uh, Pastor Joey Rosek, who is now pastoring over in England, in Cambridge, the church there eight years ago. And so... He was the youth pastor here at, at Oldbridge for a while. And for, for me, he kind of started the youth ministries. He gave us our names for our youth ministries. And he has an enthusiasm unlike any other person I've ever met. Like, there's some people that you know, and they're, you know, they're really smart. They know the Bible really well. But there's, when you meet Joey, you can just tell that he loves Jesus. It's contagious. And when he speaks, it's not just he's an energetic speaker or he's an effective speaker, but he's a speaker that truly loves Jesus and speaks from that heart. So as I was growing up, there was a lot of people that faded away out of the youth group, a lot of people that left. But for for me, I wanted to be there at youth group, even if none of my friends were, because I felt like, once again, I'd be missing out on what God was going to say to me if I didn't go to youth group. And so it wasn't even that I had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with him because I really didn't. I was the weird kid that had red spiky hair my first year of high school. And then I went and, and dressed in all these different, you know, styles. And, and, and kids thought it was weird because I just really was a weirdo. 
And I think that's why the Bible says God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Which is me. So, so I the only reason the only times that I really hung out with him is when no one showed up for evangelism and no one showed up for prayer. Got time with him, but um, he just he had a contagious enthusiasm of the Lord, and that really stuck with me. And so that's something that I've just I you know even the times that I haven't done you know the right thing or followed after God with all of my heart, I always knew where to go back to go back to church and to get back into the Word of God, and so that really stuck with me and. I'm very grateful for his influence. And that's, we've actually brought some missions teams to visit his church in Cambridge for the past two years. Cause you know, we just want to give back and support his church now that he's moved on. Awesome. And he's, he's not too far from me now. I'm in, I'm in London. So he's only half an hour from me. Check it out sometime. Cool. All right, then what we're going to do now is we're going to really focus on some elements that you have picked up and hopefully learned as a youth pastor. So more the administrational side of things because you see a lot of our listeners are volunteers and so they are doing youth ministry in the kind of spare moments that they have between going to work and their personal lives so maybe if you if you do have any organizational or scheduling tips that could really help our listeners to plan their time better i would start off by saying look where to cut find a tool or find a way to track your time and where it's going, because oftentimes I'm really uh, I'm really seeing, especially with social media, how so much of my time can be wasted because I'm doing things that don't really amount to anything else. So I'll be on Facebook or I'll be on Instagram because I'm putting out things, I'm putting out event reminders, or I'm making graphics for the youth ministry. But is my time really best spent there? or be spent studying or preparing or whatever it is. So just keeping track, I've, I've kind of hid a lot of my social apps on my phone so that looking at it at specific times of the day and not just whenever I have a free moment, especially because today, you know, it's like you pull out your iPhone and whenever you're waiting in line, instead of having a conversation with people, evangelizing, now we can just consume random content that comes out of our phone. So I think... First of all, looking where to cut, especially when it comes to social media. And then also looking to get more sleep. I think uh, we think, oh, if I had more time in the day, then I could get more done. And so you stay up really late at night or you try to wake up really early. And then you just go throughout your entire day just really groggy. And all of your work gets done, but it gets done, you know, with this just tiredness about you and that's no way to run a youth ministry you show up to youth group and then you just look tired and you enjoy <laughs> it's been robbed because you haven't been sleeping yeah so i'm definitely looking how to manage my time better especially because the bible says that uh, unless the lord builds the house they labor in vain who build it and that makes everything beautiful in its time so there is a time and season for everything but sure that we're doing what God's calling us to do today. All right, love it. We're on a roll. What's the best book or resource you have read on leading young people that you could recommend to our listeners? I'm not sure if I know of a specific youth ministry book that's that's helpful because I feel like every youth person is different and you have so many different cultures, so many different backgrounds. But one book that has been really helpful is a, a book called 
Church in the Age of Crisis by James White. And that book is about how our culture largely has changed just in the world, especially in the West, how over the years, because of social media, because of the things that are going on and the things that we're taking in, we really have a completely different world that we live in. And how, how do we fit in the Bible and how do we talk about the Bible in a, in a church that's largely post-Christian? You know, it's, it's just we've gone beyond God and we don't even think about God. Anymore. The Church in the Age of Crisis by James White. I want to pick up a little bit on what you said there. I, I know we're coming to the end of our call, but, you know, you've you mentioned social media now um, a couple of times. And it's a, it's a constant conversation I have with a lot of people about the, the, the tension of social media between the positives and the negatives. Where do you where do you fall on this debate? I, I sense where you fall, but I want you to go a bit further for us. Dig a bit deeper. Well, if you think about it, social media, I think, as you said, can be demonized by some people and it can be a, a really good tool. And I think it's very similar to how radio was or television was when it first came out. People demonized radio, demonized television. But at the same time, it could be a, a great tool to get the gospel out. So, I mean, there can be all kinds of evils that it's used for. But why not be putting out content that allows people to be thinking about the things of God? And so, like right now, um, I mean, in what time in history could you put a Facebook post and then people all over the country can be praying for you because you're asking for prayer? Um, in what time in history could you ever get people that like, like, you know, there's people that I went to high school with that I'm still Facebook friends with and we don't have real conversations anymore, but I'll post Bible verses all the time. And people have actually told me like that really inspires them that aren't even Christians. So it gives me an in to talk to people that I normally wouldn't have conversations with anymore. And I would never have the opportunity years ago. So I think it, it can be used for great good, but you just don't want to be mastered by it and i think that's that's where the danger lies there's some social media things that i stay away from completely like snapchat i, I don't think there's any redeeming quality in that and <laughs> I think there's danger in that yeah but you know you gotta look at each social media and, and ask yourself what is the good use in this and is it worth me investing my time in because it can be dangerous and i think we have to be aware of that you know is being accountable and making sure that where, you know, our eyes are set on the Lord. I mean, you can't even go on CNN these days without seeing something on the sidebar that could stumble you. So it's always being alert and it's always being vigilant, but also thinking about like, what would Paul be doing today if he had access to these things? I know the answer to that question, but I got to imagine that he was the guy who says, I am all things to all men that I might save some. So let's take advantage of what we can and see what God does through it. Love it. Great answer, especially because I caught you on the fly with that one. So good stuff. All right. Leave us with a vision, a dream for the future for young people up and down, not only your country, not only mine, but the world. I think as the world is getting darker and darker, we're seeing all kinds of craziness, a lot of destruction, a lot of evil in the world. That gives us all the more an opportunity to shine light. And so people say things like, oh, man, it's so easy to access pornography these days, so easy to access drugs these days, all these things. How can 
a young person get through this life unscathed. And I think that in the midst of that backdrop, the light has that much more opportunity to shine. So if we do have a generation that's keeping themselves pure, a generation that's holy and acceptable to God and, and offers their body as a, a living sacrifice, that is going to be such a stark contrast to the world that people are really going to see a revival. I really believe that. But I, I you know, prayerfully, that happens within my lifetime and not just in 10 years or in uh, 50 years or down the road. I want to see that happen today. And finally, because we've reached the end, use this opportunity to promote something that your organization is up to, either your youth ministry or, or Calvary Chapel as a whole. Um, the best place to find out more information about you and then give us one last great bit of advice. Yeah, so if you want more information on our church, our church website is ccob.org. We also have a separate website for the youth ministry, which is impactaworld.com. I have a website for my music, which is tvecche.com. And I make a bunch of synth pop music and we use that to kind of, I've written songs for kids before and, and we just do it with the youth group, but that's kind of a side thing. And I also have a Twitter and Instagram handle at TVECHE. It's an acronym for the voice everyone could hear everywhere. And so that's referring to God when he comes back and just shout with the trumpet and stuff like that. But um, so that's where you can get connected if you want more information about me messages or whatever and then last piece of advice i'd say is pray 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 you know jesus said my house will be called a house of prayer and i think today there's a lot of emphasis on making youth ministry flashy bigger and expanding it but really we the heart of god is to go deeper in relationship with him and that's the most important thing so yes, we want to reach other people. We want to get out there and see people saved. But let's not forget that everything needs to be grounded in prayer. Alan, thank you so much. Give our love to Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge. Thank you so much, Alan. All right. God bless you, Luke. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Youth Workshop Podcast. Don't forget to head on over to iTunes where you can subscribe to the show so you will never miss an episode. For your free copy of my book, On Your Marks, A Beginner's Guide to Youth Ministry, head to www.theyouthworkshop.com forward slash marchbaby. And until next time, create an impact with your influence.